Hello and welcome to For the Love of Truth. This is episode 228 and is another in the Back to Hell series. Today I am speaking to Graham Abbott about his story that starts more than 20 years ago when he started to become very sick and suffer with mobility and pain issues. Later on he was diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Graham very kindly is very open and frank in his discussions about his health and in particular, I would suggest you pay attention to what happened to him in the last couple of years, where he has taken complete responsibility for his own health, made some substantial changes to his diet, as an example, and is in such good health now compared to where he was that he says people at his local sailing club do not even recognize him. If you have a story you'd like to tell about your health and your journey to recovery, then I would like to talk to you about it. The very best way to reach me is to go to fortheloveoftruth.co.uk and go to the Contact Us page and connect with me through the web form there. And in closing, you guys are amazing and I'm looking forward so much to catching up with you in the next episode. Take care. Bye-bye. And just before we move across the video, I just wanted to let you know that Graham was outside while we were recording this and there is some wind noise, particularly towards the last 10 minutes or so of the podcast episode. Graham, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's lovely to finally meet you after all our emails back and forth. And it's good to see you, Adrian, as well. It is, I'm really grateful for this. I, I think, I hope, I've got something to say to people, particularly who've got Ehlers-Danlos, which is what I was diagnosed with. Okay. And think i might be able to help you never know all right well would you want to tell me your story then and if i get lost or confused i'll ask any questions yeah sure right i'll try it's difficult to know where to start i had a normal childhood i guess yeah as normal as you can yeah um ended up working at gchq after going to college and stuff Mm -hmm. always been a cyclist always cycled miles from i reckon from when i was about 10 or 11 yeah used to get on my bike ride from Plymouth up to Dartmoor all over the place it it was what I did Mm -hmm. um it was mental health it was everything and Mm -hmm. was for a long time then ended up we were posted to Cyprus ended up working with the MOD for a few years Mm -hmm. cycling kept mountain biking one of the things I did was I used to have fairly painful knees all the time I suppose looking back probably had painful legs Hmm. all my life really never thought about it like that before um i used to cycle 15 miles to see the physiotherapist Hmm. and then cycle 10 miles to work and then 10 miles home again at the end of the day used to do that a couple of times a week Hmm. and you think people thought it was completely balmy and it probably was really but i just loved it i loved that the sheer freedom of cycling, just going out the door. Nobody knew where I was, where I was going. My wife didn't know where I was. I used to, when we came back from Cyprus, used to ride to work, 10 miles to work, and then do 40, 50 miles on the way home after working hard all day. Okay. And just, it was nothing. It was what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, then we went to Cyprus again for a second time. Mm-hmm. and. We used to, we lived at the bottom of the mountain. If you know Cyprus, bottom of Trudos Mountain, we lived on one of the army bases. Yeah. But work was right at the top of the mountain. Okay. And I had to be in at 7 a.m. every day. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I couldn't cycle there anymore. No. So I, I ended up driving to work and the cycling took less and less. And as I did less and less, yeah. pain got more and more, tiredness got more and more. Mm-hmm. There was an obvious clue there that I didn't really get at the time, and certainly doctors didn't help me find that. Mm-hmm. Work was stupidly frustrating. Um, it's the only civilian technician with a group of army chaps, and it was quite hard going anyway. So we came home from that tour with me being ill. Um, I ended up flying home and having tests and found I had a kidney, autoimmune kidney problem, which I still don't understand where that's come from. I had stupidly high blood pressure, even though I was normal weight and fit and healthy, mm-hmm. or all the time, if that's fit and healthy. Um, a lot of this is going to be about work, if I'm not 
careful. So I came back again, had a stupid job change from something I enjoyed to something I didn't enjoy because just couldn't cope with uh, an electronics technician anymore. Just couldn't physically do the job anymore. Ended up doing paperwork and it was all frustrating. Then the Afghan war came along after 9-11 and I did Mm -hmm. something rather silly, I guess. I questioned at work why we were going to Afghanistan because it made no sense. Still made, made zero sense. Certainly made no sense at the time. So I essentially moved out of my job um, into an even worse job. And at the time, I'd also... See, I've skipped a huge amount. By that time, I was walking on crutches all the time. and had really bad sciatica. Um, What sort of age were you back then? Let me think. Probably 30-ish. Whoa, okay. So young. Yeah, Yeah, getting on... 30, 32, something like that. So um, I want to do a separate bit about doctors at the end, if that's all right. So I'll that at the end. But anyway, I had a back operation that's essentially left me incontinent and unable to poo properly. Um, I've got a catheter now that I've had for a long time. Uh But the back operation worked in in extent that it got me back to work and stop the sciatica yeah um stop driving then as well because i couldn't deal with the clutch on the golf that we had at the time uh-huh. so i'm going to jump a bit ended up with a different job also ended up using a wheelchair at work for a couple of years just because i couldn't cope with work any other way i just couldn't even working part-time was physically too much. I was so tired and in so much pain all the time. Just couldn't do it any other way. And it helped. And it also mm-hmm. gave me a plus that I started playing wheelchair tennis. Okay. Not amazingly. I was pretty good. I've always been pretty good at just about everything I tried sports-wise, apart from football. Yeah. So that gave me a new outlet. That was really good. Oh, then what did I do? Then I got we got DVT in 2006 that probably progressed to my lungs, but they didn't really chase me up at the time properly. And while I was in, they gave me statins without asking me, without telling me what it was. And mm-hmm. I ended up on the heart ward, hobbling around on a Zimmer frame with my legs shaking. And they sent me home because they couldn't work out what was going on. When I came home, spoke mm. to my GP, who was actually really good at the time. Mm. I can't remember his name, but he was really good. And he said, stop taking the statins. Mm-hmm. I stopped taking the statins. As, and within a week, I was absolutely fine again for silly, shaking mm. thing that had gone on. So statins definitely weren't good for me. Um, mm-hmm. Had another job change, which was a real positive, because I realized quite quickly really after the wheelchair that I was getting weaker and hurting more okay again now it looks ridiculous well I look back and think well of course you were because how can you use a wheelchair and sit down all day and and not get more tired and weak muscles hurt but at the time it didn't dawn on me for quite a while so I gave up in the wheelchair mm-hmm. ended up back on crutches struggling got a different job at work and ended up doing photography and video at work, which was really good fun. I really okay. enjoyed doing that. Photography had been a hobby forever, turned my hobby into a job. So it was was great. And that, that did me a lot of favours. Mm-hmm. And then in 2010, there was a lovely scheme in the civil service that went out to find people who were covered under disability discrimination and essentially... Mm-hmm strongly encourage us to take redundancy isn't that a form of discrimination (laughs) Uh, yeah exactly and we (laughs) it suited me at the time i couldn't wait to get out but other people pushed out the door we actually had an interview with a solicitor as part of it who said don't do this Mm -hmm. this is completely illegal they can't do this Mm -hmm. but again it suited me i i we had, I you know, it wasn't a stupid amount of money, but a nice amount of money 
paid the mortgage off mm-hmm. and we moved on and I started doing self-employed photography and art and t-shirts and all sorts of things. Okay. And my, my health got better for a while. And I can see again now looking back, that was a mental thing. Absolutely, totally a mental thing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to jump if you don't mind. Go ahead. I've got some rubbish notes here. And then we moved back to Devon. I'm from Plymouth originally. Yeah. Youngest daughter was in the last year of juniors. Suddenly made sense. Why don't we just go to Devon? So we've come back, live by the sea now in Paynton. Yeah. And that was another men- mental plus. We bought a lovely house on the top of a hill that we could see the whole of Torbay. It was super. Couldn't afford to run it and we've moved since, but it was super. So that helped. And again, looking back, it's totally mental. Absolutely, totally mental. Mm-hmm. I had a really positive thing and then physically got better to the point where I dug out mm-hmm. our pond, made a new pond, did loads there real physical work there for the first time for a long time yeah fine by any means still tired still hurting mm-hmm. then i woke up in the middle of the night one night with an absolutely incredible pain in my one of my knees mm. and had to call the ambulance and couldn't not do it and it turned out that sorry the, such a lovely spot here but the fisherman's driving by i don't know if you can hear the boat i've got the fishing boats that's oh, all right. Yeah. So, and my knee had filled with blood because I'd been on a on warfarin blood thinner since 2006. So, I'd, yeah, I'd spent almost 10 years probably on warfarin, and I'd done something. I twisted it or something, filled with blood, and it was just horrendous. Yeah. While I was in hospital there, there was a poor old chap opposite who lived in Paynton as well, who I've seen since, and they were him properly and i had to mm-hmm. go and poke them to go and he was mm-hmm. he had a catheter bag obviously I, I knew about catheters by then and it was brown in his bag and i knew he was seriously dehydrated mm-hmm. um and they weren't helping him and yep. it took a lot of prodding to get somebody to come and help so really i'd realized before that they weren't there for our benefit when we were in hospital and that certainly totally ticked that one they definitely weren't there for patients which was really sad to find out mm. i'm going to jump again so it ended up i also heard i've i've missed the whole big bit sorry i'm really rubbish at this no it's fine don't worry it's interesting i when we came down here as well part of moving we had a choice we could have gone anywhere really in the southwest yeah so he looked at i ended up looking guiding family decisions <laughs> towards places that had disabled sailing clubs so sailability sailing clubs yeah and i joined the one here on the river dart and had a fantastic mm-hmm. time still do with them i was volunteering then sailoring depending on how well i was and they were very flexible about allowing me to be ill enough to be a disabled sailor sometimes and then other times just being a volunteer yes which was really nice of them and they certainly said most of people really understood why that was i mm-hmm. just couldn't always do what they thought i could do mm-hmm. one day then no i've stepped off the key onto one of the inflatable boats overstretched my mm-hmm. leg and hurt my knee and i knew i'd hurt it properly properly hurt it i know you mm. all of us fall and hurt ourselves all the time but sometimes you do things and you think ah i've done it this time yep and it wasn't good i didn't do anything about it just don't and eventually that's well eventually within three months i'd gone to bone on bone arthritis in that knee mm. um, and in stupid pain and crutches all the time Hmm. so since then i've had eventually had a knee replacement and then the other knee went i've had another knee replacement spent about two years on crutches i reckon Hmm. around and in stupid amount of pain again the new knees have been amazing slowly Hmm. so i'm going to jump if you don't mind to the important thing i hope it's the important thing okay something else i realized and i understand now that i did that warfarin itself is actually 
not a good drug to be taking. Mm-hmm. It actually, it's stops again i'm going to forget the name it's not i think it's nitric oxide production okay seriously affects nitric oxide production nitric oxide is produced by our arteries as a way of protecting them from calcium buildup so warfarin effectively stops that happening as part of its process Mm -hmm. Um, so i ended up I realised now, probably because of that, ended up with serious chest pains in 2018, 19, 19, I think. Mm-hmm. Dates and times, time just flies fast. Ended up with serious chest pain and went to hospital mm-hmm. and found out eventually that I'd got some narrowed arteries and talk about that. But when I got into hospital, I went on to the cardiac ward. Mm. And chap next to me, big fat older chap, mm-hmm. clearly diabetic. They were checking his blood sugars. Yeah. Got a pile of chocolate on his table, was drinking fizzy drinks all day. And then this trolley comes around early in the morning. A trolley comes around with newspapers, mm. every type of sweet, crisps, soft drinks you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. To heart patients on the heart ward. That doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense at all. And I asked about it afterwards. I wrote a letter to them afterwards saying, why are you doing this? And they mm-hmm. said, oh, we can't stop it because the hospital have got a contract with somebody to, who, who the contract is he can go to every ward in the hospital. <laughs> How do we end up with a world like that? That's just... It's beyond money. Yeah, it's a world driven by money. It's not driven by logic. It's, it's, it's lunacy. But anyway, they, yeah. they fed me rubbish food. And two days in, I, I realized what's going on here. Yeah. There's something seriously wrong here. So they'd got amazing Wi-Fi, got my iPad. So I spent two or three days just hitting everything I possibly could about diet. I got no pre, pre-existing views on diet at all. Yeah, I'd always been a sort of vaguely keeping it sensible yeah plenty of fruit and veg but plenty of naughty stuff as well yeah certainly cycling i used to eat anything i could get hold of and still be Mm -hmm. but i've put on some weight over the years and then i found out about ketogenic diets from somebody i really like to mention which is um i'm gonna forget his name now oh isn't it bloody typical Professor Tim Noakes, okay. who's a, a doctor in South Africa, scientist in South Africa. His information was really, really useful. He's um, a sports, sports scientist, yeah. written books about running, one of which I think I might have bought years ago because I used to run half marathons as well. Something else I mentioned. Yeah. I used to run 38-minute 10Ks for quite wow. a while, which was pretty quick. But he he'd done an about face. He told everybody to eat lots of carbs yeah. and to fuel the running with carbs. And he'd even, yeah. with another man, invented um, one of these carbohydrate sports gel things yeah. that they, everybody carries around with them now. Oh, yeah. Even have little special belts to carry them when they're running. Yeah. Um, well, he came up with one of those. And then he realized he was diabetic. Mm-hmm. And looked into diet, and he'd gone ketogenic diet, changed his life completely. He was back. Yeah. He was an ultra marathon runner, so he's running fifty mile, sixty mile races. Yeah, and he'd gone back to that and was beating his times that he was doing twenty years earlier. Yeah. So I came home after having um, the scan and finding out I've got narrowed arteries mm-hmm. in an artery they call the widow maker, which is really nice of them to mention that. Yeah. Really helpful. <laughs> well, along with everything else, it sounds like they are very helpful, yeah. <laughs> yes, doctors, eh? <laughs> oh, yes, you've got a narrow widowmaker artery. Yeah. My wife enjoyed that, but <laughs> not quite as much as I did. So I came home and I changed instantly. So I came home Sunday morning and I haven't eaten carbs since. Mm-hmm. So I just cut out everything instantly, swapped to a fat-based diet, eating mm-hmm. 
lots of eggs, meat, dairy, green veg. I haven't really changed. I lost 20 kilos in three months. Wow. Vanished off me. I think most of it was water, actually, because I lost an awful lot of it in the first couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, just anti-inflammatory, I guess. That's how it felt. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then pain has reduced incredibly. Mm-hmm. And I've just got energy to the point now where I'm firstly got a job volunteering with the police here in Brixham, which is very near where I am, mm-hmm. cleaning vehicles, getting the vehicles set up, taking them for repair and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which was good for a while. And then I've got a real job now at Sainsbury's shopping for home delivery. So I walk for six hours. And lift. Wait a second, you, you were on crutches in a wheelchair. We'll be back after a quick break. Welcome to the Alchemy of Natural Healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel. It's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. Yeah. (laughs) And now walk. So I only do two or three days a week, but I walk six hours, lift, carry, push heavy trolley, and don't stop really six hours. We have a 15-minute break, which I take because it's time to drink coffee, still enjoy coffee. Yeah. And life changed so much that I can't, I can't believe it. I've mm-hmm. recently gone back to sailing, to sailability. They've just started to open again after this stupid lockdown. Yeah. And people don't recognize me. They don't know who I am. Um, <laughs> the people I've known for a few years because they haven't seen me for a yeah. year or so. Yeah. So I've been doing this for about 18 months now. And I've gone, I've, I'm not lapsed, isn't the word. I allow myself to lapse. I had a hot cross bun the other day. I knew I'd had it afterwards because yeah. tummy wasn't comfortable. Yeah. So I've made this huge change. But. I'm not convinced the dietary change was the thing that's changed. I think it was coming to a decision, I'm going to do that. And I stuck with it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, totally stuck with it. Yeah. And had success. And it's that, it's succeeding at something that's, I, I can't put it into any sense of it, really. But it succeeding as that has helped me move on and succeed at other things. Uh-huh. It also makes, I don't know if this makes sense either, really. But when the lockdown started last March, obviously it was ridiculous. I knew it was wrong right from the start, made no sense whatsoever. Yeah, And I did the opposite. So... I went out even more than I would have done normally. Um, <laughs> I've walked during, not all during the lockdown, but a lot of it during lockdown. So I've walked from here in Paynton back home along the cliff path to Plymouth. Yeah. So it, not all in one go because it's a long way, but um, like doing one day a week for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And I did two 23-mile day walks at the end. Mm-hmm. So I've walked 23 miles along hilly coast path. Mm-hmm. And then I look back and 10 years ago, I was on crutches, struggling, in pain. Yeah. And I'm, I'm amazed by that still. I still, still almost makes me cry, actually, because where I've come in the last 18 months is just ridiculous. Yeah. Anyway, so I was doing that. I've also bought, my balance is rubbish. I've got 
one of the results of having DVT in a PE. I've had some, probably some blood clots in my brain, and the urologist told me. So my balance isn't fabulous. So I've bought a recumbent trike. Mm-hmm. So recumbent pedal cycle, um, an ICE trike made in Falmouth, bought secondhand. And that's that was great. So I, I was having, during the first lockdown, doing 25-mile rides on that around... That was really good. So, can mm. I on? I'm going to, yeah. if you don't mind, I'm going to, can I say what I've, oh, sorry, lost my, I'm having to hold the camera. Again, I, I found a spot on Saturday where there is a tree I could tie the camera to and yeah. sit and lean against another tree. And yeah. I can't do that today. <laughs> One of the things I wanted to mention about diet was vegetable oil. Mm-hmm. One of the things I found quite quickly was that what we call vegetable oils, so seed oils, they were first made to be industrial lubricants. Lubricants, yeah. Yeah, in America from cotton uh, cotton seeds, waste cotton seeds. And there's no way we should be eating them. There's absolutely no way. They're, they're, just, they're just wrong. They shouldn't be in the food chain at all. And they're everywhere. You can't, you can't have processed food of any sort without having vegetable oils in them i I look at the one of the joys of my job is i see what people buy and eat um and i look at the ingredients list on vegan food for instance is always got vegetable oil in it yeah some sort of apart from the weird things anyway like corn which is soil mold um that they feed in huge stainless steel tanks fed with sugar but it's actually soil mold that grows on soil originally <laughs> but we shouldn't be vegetable oil so i think that that goes for everybody i do want to talk about a couple of things um mm-hmm. start with doctors i found over the years what i do what you do mostly with doctors is wait to see them mm-hmm. so you go to your gp you say my knee's bad don't know what's going on the doctor looks at you and says i don't know what's going on i'll refer you and then you wait months to see somebody who isn't particularly interested when you get there Mm -hmm. and who doesn't really want to do anything Mm -hmm. so he says oh we'll send you for an mri scan and this is what happened with my back in 2001 i've written down so Mm -hmm. i've got horrendous sciatica on crutches not at work struggling really struggling he says right we're sending you for mri i waited for a year the mri wow went went back to him and he said which was months after the mri to say you need an operation on your back i'll put you on the list and then a year later have the back operation Mm -hmm. so we did that and that's happened all the way through so i've had problem with my prostate as well um had an operation on my prostate when they did me a catheter through my tummy at the same time i waited months for that and they were helpful and they did the job but that's fine Mm -hmm. but everything is like that what you do is wait and you Mm -hmm. wait you wait and then you go and see somebody urologists were crackers for that and the rheumatologists who were obviously not interested. As soon as you walk in the door, you know mm-hmm. they're interested. They're not going to do anything. Rheumatologists were terrible because they've got nothing to offer anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a diagnosis eventually of this Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which is uh, an inherited, supposedly inherited, I'm going to say. I'm not convinced anymore. An inherited condition that gives you overly stretchy joints mm-hmm. pain and all sorts and their answer is well we can't do anything for that or you wait to see somebody and you say i've got ellis Danlos," and they say what's that and you think, specialist yeah. i've come to you i've waited months to see you and you don't know anything in fact i know a lot more about it than you do yeah that's ridiculous so don't we mustn't give in to that. I'm, I'm not going to do doctors anymore as much, unless I absolutely have to. I need mm-hmm. to talk about drugs as well. See, I've been taking, I'm trying to think back when I started, probably been taking Tramadol, 
certainly for seven or eight years constantly mm-hmm. and i'm not sure that ever did anything apart from make me a bit dozy and again nobody had any options they were just don't know what to do here's your repeat of tramadol yeah and i've been on blood pressure tablets for years as well varying amounts i don't really understand why they do that if you're perfectly fine feel perfectly mm-hmm. fine and your blood pressure is high well so what really surely that's there should be a way of saying right you've got high blood pressure why have you got high blood pressure but they yeah. don't do that they just throw drugs at you um the warfarin was a huge mistake in fact the only drug i'm taking still um is the replacement for warfarin i can't remember what it's called it's one of the more modern blood thinners and the the side effects are non-existent for me anyway mm-hmm. they're supposedly safer i don't know I, I just i can't bring myself to stop it because i know i've had issues before i don't know why i've had blood clots in my brain i don't know why i've still got them neurologists looked at the scan a few weeks ago and said that's probably the problem i've still got balance issues and things Mm -hmm. so i'm loath to stop taking them i'm not convinced i need them but who do i ask whether i need them or not i mean nobody's going to help me with that you can't it's not the sort of thing you can look up online either is it Mm i also i I don't know if anybody's going to find this who thinks or knows they've got Ellis Danlos. One of the things, the huge mistakes I've made with Ellis Danlos is joining Facebook groups, supposedly support groups for Ellis Danlos. Mm-hmm. But you go on there and if everybody, it's like um, a race to the bottom, I would have said. So mm-hmm. it's almost like a competition to be the illest. Yeah. Which is really bizarre. So if you if you're not bedridden and struggling with everything, nobody wants to know. Really, if you've got a question, they're not interested because you're not one of the bad ones, and it's just depressing. So I I seriously suggest just getting away from that. You've got to mm-hmm. do your own research. Got to do your own reading about everything. Mm-hmm. Just not rely on these things really the other thing i want to talk about let me you're going to ask me a question in a minute and i've got an answer for the question you ask everybody at the end yep (laughs) but i do want to talk about something i found recently yeah which is german new medicine yeah and i don't want to do an introduction to it there are other people who do that better than than i possibly can but it made sense of the cancers that we've had in our family. Mm-hmm. It really did make sense. My father-in-law's girlfriend, partner, died of cancer a few years ago. And she was a really close friend of mine to the mm-hmm. point where she could only have three visitors in the hospital. And she chose him and me and one of her sisters. Mm-hmm. And she had other sisters. So she chose me over one of her sisters. And that meant an awful lot. Hmm. So we were really close. And I can see how the cancer she had fitted with what German yeah. medicine says about cancer. Mm-hmm. And now I, I see people, We one of the programs we watch is called Helicopter ER or something. It's one of these follow the ambulance type things. Mm-hmm. And they go to people in the houses and I just want to scream at them go and look up German new medicine yeah go and have a different view of what's going on like allergies yeah. and things like that and I think we could all all benefit from that I bought a really good book very simple thin book about it and it's certainly I mean it's taken away any fear of cancer from me completely so I've, to the point where I've actually asked the ONS, the H- NHS, and our local coroner's court whether people die of un- undiagnosed cancer. Do people actually die? Then they have a post mortem and find the cause of their death was cancer. 
if they haven't been diagnosed before. And none of them can tell me that. I wonder why. It's strange, isn't it? Mm. And I, so bluntly, does being diagnosed with cancer lead to your death? So does the shock of being diagnosed with cancer lead to further problems where if you weren't diagnosed and you understood German new medicine to the point where you could just relax about it and think, okay, I know what's going on. We can live with this and it will sort itself out. And I don't know the answer to that, but I'd rather trust that than trust the treatment that killed my friend. Yeah. Because the treatment killed her in the end. I, I yeah. don't doubt that for a moment. Yeah. Had a, I went to a bedside and she told me to tell my father-in-law that she wanted to die because she was in such a bad way and just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not doing that again. I'm not doing that with me or my wife or my children. No. I think that's about it, really. So the diet is the key thing that I've changed. Well, there's two, isn't there? There's the diet, which I think has a part, but it's also your belief has changed. And you took responsibility for it. Yes. The belief in what I can do, my yeah. my abilities has changed enormously. Yeah. I, I felt when I was younger and certainly recently that I can do anything, actually. I've never yeah. been... One of the good things at GCHQ, there were lots of bad things, but there were some really good things, one of which was if there was a job that needed doing, there was a job advertised, they let you have a go at it you didn't have to fit the qualifications for the job necessarily mm -hmm. so like the photography job i'd never been a professional photographer i'd only been only an amateur i think amateur photographers are generally better than professionals actually but um i think that might be the case in lots of areas of life <laughs> but they let me do it and then yeah. you prove yourself. And if you prove yourself, they'll let you do it and carry on doing it. And that yeah. was good, a good thing. And that suited me because I'm my qualifications, apart from um, I trained to be a ship's radio officer and realized very quickly I didn't want to do that. Hmm. So qualifications, I don't think, were important. But I, I do feel I can do anything. If somebody, mm -hmm. I towed a boat the other day. I've never towed a trailer in my life before. But they needed boat towing, so I've got a tow bar on the van, so let's go and tow the boat. Why? Mm. If somebody else can do it, then I can do it, so why not? That's right, yeah. And yeah. I think that, yeah, so mentally my view of the world has changed. How I think about what I'm capable of changed. I think it's gone back to how I used to be more than changed. Because mm. I used to feel like that. Mm -hmm. So... I think I might be there. Let me have a look at my sheet of mess papers I've dropped on the floor. <laughs> so I've done about Ellis Danos. It's hard at the moment anyway. We, we've all got feelings about how the world is and how the world's going to go. But my, mm -hmm. I can't convince my family of this yet. Um, but I want the want. Um, to sell up and move somewhere where I can grow some food and keep some chicken. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing your thing, which I've been very grateful for lots of the things you've put on, is asking a question. So I've written down a question. Mm -hmm. I didn't get there. I know that's where I want to go. I don't know how mm -hmm. to get my wife there. I wouldn't worry too much about that. The very intent that you want an answer to that question will move all sorts of things that are out of your grasp. Exactly, and that, I I like that way of thinking. Yeah, and um, it's very easy to sit down and do pros and cons and pros and cons. And <laughs> my wife yeah. loves doing that with things, but yeah. we're not going to get to the answer that way. No. But, so that's what I want for the future, and I think maybe I don't know if that's the answer for everybody or anybody really. But 
I think working in small communities, organizing your own food, your own resources, your own protection, your own monetary systems, your own educational platforms, everything is one very viable way of moving this thing forward because then you're responsible to everybody else. This disconnected global parasitic system we have will be the destruction of everything if it continues. And I think we need to gather that back around ourselves. And I'm, I'm like you, I would love to be off somewhere growing my own stuff, looking after my own things, helping people that need help, but keeping myself to myself. Yeah, and that's all I want, really, is to keep myself to myself. And I want a future for my girls. I want them to be able to have a, a life that they want to have, yeah. life yeah. they can be forced into. Work doesn't help. I mean, I work at Sainsbury's, and I pack absolute rubbish food to deliver to people and i see what people eat and what stupid way of of working really what a stupid job to have that i do just work hard and time myself out to deliver rubbish food to people and that that can't be a long-term thing and, and maybe, maybe, maybe as you maybe i mean one, one of the things i've really noticed and sorry for over talking there graham is that Certainly in my life, and I know this to be true, that you, the contrast in life, in other words, experiencing that which you don't want actually helps you get more clarity on the things you do want. And you don't really know what you want, I've found, until I've experienced lots of things I didn't want because that really starts to focus my mind. And so everything's transitional, everything you're passing through. Yeah, absolutely. I feel that because over the, the years, I, I'm, I'm, I know I'm not the only one. I'm 57 and you accumulate so much physical stuff <laughs> yep it's ridiculous we've got we've got a double length garage that's it's got all of boxes of blank hoodies and blank t-shirts that i've still got from when i was printing t-shirts and hoodies in 2012 they're still there in the garage and it and I don't want to go back to doing that. I know I don't want to do that. And I think mm -hmm. yeah, not know, knowing what you don't want is, yeah, I like, yeah, do like that way of thinking about it. Well, it, it makes sense, doesn't it? Because you're also then searching for a different answer. You know, and, and one of the things, if you don't know what you want, think about what you don't want and go the complete opposite way to it. And you may get a clue from that. Yeah, yeah. Because contrast will serve you if you learn how to use it. It won't serve you. It becomes a weapon if you're not careful. Yeah, it's difficult as well because work isn't the worst thing I've ever done. There, are, The trouble is with work that mentally it's very easy. Yeah. And it's the first job I've ever had where I can go into work, do it, go home again and never think about it for a moment after I've walked out the door. Wow. And that's that's quite valuable in a job, actually. Yeah. Um. Because it means it's nothing, you know, it, the actual yeah. dealing with it is nothing at all. There's pressure in being fast enough because they're a huge business, obviously, and they yeah. push us to be faster all the time. But then I'm easily fast enough. So it's, it's, there are advantages in that. And it's, the, it's also the first time in quite a few years that we've had actually got money left at the end of the month. But it's not what I want to do. Absolutely yeah. not what I want to do. Well, then see what comes up. You, you, as you start to search for the answers, they'll search for you and things change. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah. 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 Okay, it's good. Thank you. Go on then. Ask can, I ask you, can, can I ask you that question then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I might come up with a different one and wrong foot you. You might, you might well do. Yeah, do that anyway. Well, no, it, it, it's it's the question I like to ask everyone. If you if you could look back, knowing what you know now, and speak to the younger you, what would you say? What advice would you give yourself? Yeah, I'm going to come up with a really trivial one first. I was thinking about this. I'm driving over. There are two things I bought in my life that I regret that I don't have now. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're both bicycles. <laughs> I had when I was a, first moved to Cheltenham GCHQ. There was a, a back street bike shop run by a chap called bob griffin and he made bikes to made bike frames to measure to fit people yeah. he made them me the most beautiful touring bike mm -hmm. um really now nice. i can imagine having it still and i really wish i'd kept that it was 
I, I can't even remember why I sold it now. Um, I wish I still had it. I couldn't ride it because I haven't got the balance for it, but I still wish I had it. Um, but that's a trivial one. The hard one is is research. You've got to, got to not trust people in white coats. Yep. And not... One of the things as well it's easy to do when you're ill is to wait for somebody to come and rescue you. Mm-hmm. Until somebody comes and says, "This is what you do," yeah, and there people don't do that. That isn't how yeah. anything works. And I wish I'd known that in two thousand and one, when all this really seriously started. When we were in Cyprus, mm-hmm. if I'd kept away from doctors at that point, I think I'd have been better off now. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the main thing and obviously i've got a huge message to my girls the, the same message to my girls really that what my oldest is 24 both got mental health issues that i don't want her to wait for help either i want her to to find her own way to find her answers her find her questions in your way and i will will talk to her about that because i think that's i really like that idea of what are the questions? What write the questions down at least. Yeah. So yeah. just so you've got somewhere to start, if nothing else. Yeah. Because the answer isn't going to come from outside. The answer isn't coming from mental health services or doctors or anything. No. No, not at all. But ultimately we've got to deal with everything ourselves. Yeah, you, you will draw the answers through yourself once you start to look where they sit, which is on the inside of you. They're not on the outside. Now, I know we go on the internet, we look around and everything, but that searching is actually inside of you. And I, th- I think that's that's the most important bit, to stop externalizing everything and to start looking at the world within for what you want, and then it'll come through you. It always does. That's Certainly, that's been my experience. Yeah, it is. And it, one of the things I do when I'm walking is actively not think just it's so easy to end up you go down these rabbit holes of somebody you've spoken to or you haven't spoken to or i don't know all over the place but just to walk and walk and not Mm -hmm. think and things pop in your head and things pop in my head about what happened in the past and different ways of looking at things from the past Mm -hmm. that probably make more sense than the way i've been thinking about them yeah and well you can only get information coming through when you've gone quiet it's that quiet time and it's difficult because your mind i I have this with mine all the time i'm on a walk and i think where am i because i'm not being present to all this beauty around me i'm off thinking about some trivial event so just put it down there and leave it alone and i have to do that constantly some days but it's rewarding because as you say things pop into your head you notice things you haven't seen before and you, you then make space for the answers to come and the solutions to pop up, the things that have been percolating sometimes for years in the back of your mind. Yeah, it's useful. Yeah. I don't know why I haven't found that before. Either really. I feel a bit stupid now with, um, with lots of things, but I think that's part of growing up. It's so easy just to be ill. Mm-hmm. And I probably did that for 20 years, really. Just what a waste just being ill you could say yeah but at the same time it's going to give you a massive appreciation for every moment now isn't it oh golly yeah yeah absolutely i mean that's one of the reasons i've come and sat here yeah um, i'll show you the view before we sign off i couldn't yeah. find anywhere to where you could see the view and see me at the same time yeah if, if you work things through everything does serve you in the end and that, that now is my first point. No matter what's going on, no matter how bad things get, I think, right, this will serve me when I look back on it. So how can I make it serve me now? And that usually gives me some real insight from another question. Mm, yeah, I like that as well. One of the things I try to ask myself when I remember is, would you rather be anywhere else than here right now? Yeah. And when I'm walking, uh, no, never. I'm always perfectly yeah. happy. A lot of the time at home, I'd say the same sometimes at work i'd say the same but i think that's quite important because you when you've been i've been all over the place done all sorts of things you you've traveled i know you've said before that you've traveled and with work yeah but when you're doing things at work 
you rarely want to be there, do you? You nope. be somewhere else. But I yeah. don't have that anymore, generally. No. I don't, I, I'm, I'm very comfortable where I am, and if I'm not, I go somewhere else. Yeah, that's the way to be. Yeah. That's one of the nice things about having a motorhome. You turn up and you think, this this is cool, we'll stick here for a bit, and then you think, actually, this is rubbish, and just keep driving. Yeah, that's a good plan. <laughs> one yeah. of my favorite things, I've got a grotty old Citroen um, dispatch van ah. that I bought last year. I haven't really told my wife that it's going to be a camper van, but it, it is going to be. It was really to carry bikes around, but yeah, it's not really what my aim was. Um, one of the things I like doing, I've got my stove, um, my little gas stove, bottle mm-hmm. coffee, and I just park up somewhere, sit in the back on a cushion and look at the view and make me coffee, make me breakfast. Yeah, just not be anywhere else. Just yeah. And my wife likes the idea of the camp van, but actually liking the idea of doing it, two different things. Yeah, we 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 love ours. Um, yeah, we were away in it two days this week, which was great. Yeah, look, yeah, brilliant. I'm getting cold in it, Adrian. Well, it's it's been absolutely delightful, and I really appreciate you taking the time to share your story because I think that will definitely help a lot of people. And it's funny, isn't it? All the messages are the same. Think for yourself, believe in yourself, and you'll figure it out. Yeah, I think that is the message. It, it, the do, do your own research is is the message in the end. Yeah. One of my um, my favorite walks is early in the morning. I get out early. One of the joys yeah. of starting work at 4 a.m. is that I wake up early. Um, when Whatever I'm doing, I wake up early. So I come down to Brixham, park up, walk along the, the breakwater, and I, I put a stone at the end. Every time I walk along, I put a stone off the beach onto the end of the, the breakwater. Um, no idea why, but <laughs> it's life. <laughs> Aye. Yeah. Okay. Marvellous. Well done. Mate, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for that. I'll get this all edited up and I'll give you I'll give you the heads up in a day or two when I finished it and got it up. Okay, is the sound being okay? There's been some wind noise and there's a bit of rustling here and there, but I'll put a I'll put a high pass on it so they'll catch some of it, I hope. But it's been fine otherwise, yeah, yeah. it's been good. But yeah, I dropped the, the microphone down inside my jacket in the end. Yeah. That was good. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well done. Thanks, Adrian. Look after yourself, buddy. Take care. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.